The vicious voices of the right are out in full force, and it's time for us to get up and organize against the heartless attacks on our civil rights. Start your morning diving into the headlines and issues that matter to our everyday lives, speaking with changemakers and hearing from you, our listeners. Hear your host, Zerlina Maxwell, break down the top news, push for solutions from officials who represent us, and call out the misinformation and hypocrisy that surrounds us, plus the engaging stories that keep you energized. Get your morning boost of politics, culture, and everything you need to start your day. It's always darkest before the dawn, but the dawn is here. Shining a light on the ruthless forces across the aisle and rising for a brighter future for all of us. This is Mornings with Zerlina. Welcome to Mornings with Zerlina. I'm Zerlina Maxwell. Joining us is communication advisor to the Vice President Kamala Harris, Herbie Ziskend. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me on this morning. Of course. So there's a lot going on, and that's, I think, always true. Um, but as we come on air this morning, we were sort of off um, for Jan 6 coverage. We're going to get back into the hearings this week. There have been a lot of developments. Um, I was away last week, so that I was just like catching up on all of the um, developments um, related to the post Roe v. Wade decision. So can we start with um, the executive order? Um, the administration signed an executive order, and I want people at home to understand what this means, what it means for um, access to reproductive health care, um, how it helps. Um, just unpack for, for the folks at home um, the, what is in the executive order and what are the benefits from it. Sure. Well, on Friday, as you mentioned, Zerlina, the president issued an executive order building on the prior actions that we have taken since the, the opinion came down. And first, I'll just say as a reminder, the Supreme Court did something unprecedented. It took away a constitutional right from the women of this country. And it's it's already having profound implications. And the president, the vice president are working in every way we can through executive action, through executive orders to uh, make sure that women have unfettered access to reproductive care across the country. This Friday, on Friday, the president his executive order had really four main components. First, it, it safeguards reproductive health services, including abortion and contraception. It addresses privacy. You know, there's been a lot about data tracking and apps and search, mm -hmm. uh, addressing the privacy of patients and their access to accurate information. Uh, it promotes the physical security of, of providers and clinics, mobile clinics. Um, and it coordinates a a whole of government, as we say, implementation of federal efforts to protect reproductive rights and access to healthcare. And, you know, Zerlina, I would also remind our viewer, your viewers here that on the day the ruling came out, the president took executive action addressing early abortion medication. These mm -hmm. FDA approved drugs have been okayed for 20 years. Uh, and so the president directed HHS to ensure that women's access to these medications uh, remain unfettered. And then interstate travel, the, the uh, people have a constitutional right to interstate travel and the president pledged that we're gonna do all we can to protect the ability of women to travel safely to another state to seek the care that they need. Uh, but most importantly here, a constitutional right was, was taken away that can't be restored through executive action alone. We need Congress to act. We need legislation to codify Roe. And so as we work to do all we can in the interim, the long-term 
goal here is to have legislation that protects these rights across the country. Do you get the sense that there is any movement on that front? Because, you know, the president, um, you know, previously had said he supports reforming the filibuster for voting rights. Um, but unfortunately, there wasn't voting rights legislation and reforms passed on the federal level. Um, he also, in this moment, said he supports reforming the filibuster to codify Roe versus Wade and protect uh, women's uh, health care options. Do you do you feel like the outcome here could be different? Is there, you know, any increased sense of optimism that realistically um, with the makeup of Congress, the way it is before the midterms, that it's possible to codify Roe versus Wade? There's certainly an increased sense that that this has this ruling has galvanized men and women across the country mm -hmm. to understand that rights have been taken away. Previously granted rights have been taken away, that women's ability to make decisions about their own reproductive health care has been taken away. And there's also a clear understanding, Zerlina, that the, the Republican plan, which they have been clear about, you've heard this from the former Republican vice president, you've heard this from majority, uh, Minority Leader McConnell, that they want to go the other direction and pass federal legislation to uh, restrict women's rights nationwide. So I think there is an increased understanding and, and momentum and desire to get enough pro-choice senators, a pro-choice House, in order to enact legislation that codifies Roe. Do we have the votes today? No, we don't. Um, but this is something that that uh, we are going to be focused on and working on every day going mm -hmm. forward. I mean, I think, you know, it, the majority of the American public is is on the side of of, of health care access and for choice. And so I think <clears throat> certainly it will be an issue in the midterm elections. How, how does the administration hope to galvanize the people in that majority of the American electorate in the midterms? I mean, I think seeing that the, the vice president immediately started meeting with stakeholders and state legislature state le legislators um, about how they can fight um, on the state level, because that's where the fight um, will be um, unless uh, there is this action on the federal level. Um, you know, do you think that it is a galvanizing issue um, for the base of the Democratic Party and really the majority of people who support Roe versus Wade? Um, and how do you um, intend to help galvanize those folks to make sure that, you know, their voices are heard at the ballot box in November? Absolutely. Part of this is is making sure that people really understand at a, at a fundamental level what this decision means for them, for their families, for their for their communities. The vice president has been traveling the country and talking about this. She has met with faith leaders. She has met with activists and stakeholders. She's met with state legislators. She's met with experts to lift up and to explain to the public that a constitutional right was taken away and that women are no longer in some states free to make decisions about their own body without government interference. And there's something like 13 states that don't even allow exceptions for rape and incest. And so, you know, part of the work here for the for the president, the vice president, the administration is to explain what what's at stake. It's it's Roe. It's also marriage equality. It's also mm -hmm. contraception. It's also intimate acts. It's a it's a right to privacy. And so these are this is a, a, a 
a fundamentally new day for uh, the Supreme Court and for the decisions that are going to affect people nationwide. And so we believe that part of our job is to explain what this is and to push for action and to make sure that all Americans understand what is at stake. I mean, it's it's overwhelming sometimes when I try to wrap my brain around all the things that are happening just all at the same time. Um, and as I was uh, coming on air this morning, I was just thinking through what we've all sort of had to process just in June, just in the month of June, um, in terms of all of the things that have happened and not just the road decision, but the January 6th hearings that have gone on and all of the revelations there, um, but also the the unfortunate series of mass shootings we've also witnessed, um, including one on July 4th in Highland Park, Illinois, which if, you know, anybody who can look at the map of, of Illinois knows is not, is not, you know, when you hear about gun violence in Chicago, like this is Highland Park is a suburb um, outside of Chicago. This is, um, you know, an instance of mass violence occurring in a place where violence does not occur every single day. Um, can you speak to the urgency of this particular moment in terms of having a government that can do stuff um, in in response to um, public public policy challenges? I mean, we did get, fortunately, a gun safety reform package that was incremental. Um, but certainly, I know, and I know the vice president has been clear about this. There's a lot more that needs to be done in terms of addressing the scourge of gun violence that we've seen, um, whether it be mass shootings like we saw in, in Highland Park, but also um, the violence you see occurring every day in Chicago and in other cities around the country. That's right. And, you know, we our, our thoughts are with the, the victims and their families in Highland Park, in Uvalde, in Buffalo, and in cities and towns across the country that... Uh, experienced the scourge of gun violence that might not make the headlines. And, you know, the vice president, Zerlina, was in Highland Park the day after the shooting meeting with mm-hmm. first responders, local officials, law enforcement. And her message is clear that uh, while while we're making progress and the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act is the first significant gun violence bill in 30 years, and the president's going to be talking about it at the White House today, mm-hmm. um, there's certainly more that needs to be done. We need to ban assault weapons. These are weapons of war. They're designed to kill people fast. And we need to repeal the liability shield for gun manufacturers. Absolutely uh, essential here. And that's why you're going to hear the the president, the vice president talk about this going forward. Certainly, again, we need federal legislation to do that. We need more members of Congress and and the United States Senate that are going to move on, on this issue. And you know, for, for, for my boss, the vice president, she was a district attorney. She was on the ground dealing with this issue for many years. She was an attorney general. The, the president was the, the, one of the key authors of the um, ban on assault weapons as a member of the Senate in the 1990s. They're acutely aware of the challenge here. And uh, it's, a, it's an important focus of ours moving forward. It's such an important issue. I mean, I think we, unfortunately... You know, we're just sort of going about our lives trying to survive, well, the pandemic and so many other things that happen in life. And, you know, these mass shootings just continue to happen. And it feels I mean, until the the most recent piece of legislation, there hadn't been anything done in 30 years. That's the whole Columbine generation 
and no legislation. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it really, I think for, for folks who, who like to say, well, it wasn't enough, you know, the fact that something happened is quite significant. Um, but I have, um, to your point, seen the vice president be really clear about uh, the the next steps in terms of what else needs to be done. I want to talk about the, the economy next, because one of the things that, um, you know, I think folks are trying to wrap their heads around is what's happening in the economy right now. Prices are high. Inflation is in the headlines every single day. And then there is some talk of, of a potential, the potential, I should say, for a recession. Um, how does how does the administration see sort of the state of the economy, um, you know, with the most recent jobs numbers and, and what what are the steps they have taken and are considering taking um, in the future to address, you know, rising prices on gas and other essential household items. I mean, even tampons are astronomically um, priced right now, even if you can um, if you can even find them. Um, And also the impending uh, potential for a recession. How, how, how does, how is all of that, all of that sort of, shaking out in terms of how the administration views it and plans to address it? Well, it's the number one thing that we're focused on each day. It's focusing on how do we lower the prices that families are contending with every day, the price of gas, the price of good, the price of medicine, everything that a family must think about to, to make ends meet. And there's really both two stories here. There's a, a very strong labor market as a result of the administration's actions We've created around 9 million new jobs since President Biden was sworn in. That's a record for a new administration. Unemployment's down to 3.6% near a record low. In 2021, small businesses were created at a historic rate. And these are the results of passing the American Rescue Plan, which was legislation that jump-started the economy during a very difficult period in the winter of uh, 2021. At the same time, there's, there's inflation, there's rising prices. Why? Well, for two reasons. Number one, the pandemic uh, led to bottlenecks in supply chains, led to prices being going up, goods, uh, finite amounts of goods. And so uh, prices went up as a result of the pandemic. Putin's invasion of Ukraine led to an increase in energy prices. And so we're contending with both of those factors. And, and that's why the president and the vice president acted. They, they, they fought to lower the price of Internet for working families by 30 bucks a month. They put in place a tax cut, an $8,000 tax cut for childcare expenses to lower the prices of food, medical care, school supplies. The president announced a few months ago the release of a million barrels a day from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve that adds to the supply of of oil and and leads to a a reduction in gas prices. But there's no questions, Erlina, that more needs to be done. And so you've, you've heard the president, the vice president, talk about the need and the fighting and working to lower uh, prescription drug costs, lower the cost of elder care, of child care. These are the costs that really impact family families across the country. And uh, this is a, you know, this is a primary concern for us. And look, there's also an important contrast. Look at what a leading Republican senator, Senator Rick Scott, released his plan. Mm. His plan raises taxes, and he's the he's a he's a leading Republican senator. Their plan raises taxes on the middle class, and it requires Medicare and Social Security to be reauthorize every five years. That's a fancy way of saying Medicare and Social Security might not exist every five Mm. years. And so there's a very, very important distinction here. You know, not one Senate Republican voted to extend the child tax credit. 
Not one Senate Republican voted for the $8,000 tax cut for childcare expenses that I mentioned. None of them, zero, voted to fund small businesses through the American Rescue Plan, which Democrats pass into law. So as we work to do this, let's remember that there's a, a, a real distinction between uh, what we're doing on this and what our friends on the other side are proposing to do. It's an important um, point to contrast, um, especially when we're talking about um, some of those things that were included in the American Rescue Package, um, because it was an emergency. <laughs> so you can't even really make the argument yep. that it's just, you know, politics. Um, and that's, you know, that's what we do here, because this is what our philosophy is. Like, it's bigger than that when we're talking about in the middle of a pandemic. Um, and that is actually my last question. Um because as I um, said, I was off last week um, and I've been very COVID cautious the, the entire two years. I'm an immune compromised family member, so I'm very, very um, conscientious. And every time I venture back out into the world, I am shocked by the, fa- the behavior <laughs> of people um, because it seems as though at least mentally people are over at this pandemic um, masks are not really a thing um, happening. Um, but after holiday weekends, um, we've, we've lived through this enough times to know that surges happen. Um, but there's, there hasn't been congressional funding. So my question is, how important um, is it for Congress to pass this additional funding? It's not even the full package, the half, half of the amount, I believe, um, of the original request from the administration, because the administration has predicted 100,000 COVID cases in the fall and the winter, um, which could start now with BA5 surging. So how important is my, how important is that funding is my last question, because we're still in a pandemic, everyone. We are, and we've made progress. I think over 222 million people are vaccinated, fully vaccinated, which is tremendous when you think about where we were mm-hmm. uh, when this president took office, there's no question. And uh, But at the same time, we need to have the tools and the resources to, to combat surges that are to come, to have the tools to make sure that we keep people safe, that we can, we can uh, care and provide the therapeutics that are needed. And so it's important, and we're going to keep working to, to uh, spur congressional action on this, especially as we head into the fall and into the winter. So you're absolutely right about that, Serlina. It's something that I think about all the time. <laughs> and what I mean is uh, COVID is, is something that I think a lot of people, other people are like sick of, they're over it. And I'm like, no, no, no. As soon as you're over it is when it gets you. <laughs> so you, you have that's to be right. vigilant. Um, and we need to be vigilant as a country. Um, that's why this funding is so necessary. Um, Herbie, thank you so much for joining this morning. It's been great to have you this morning, Senior Advisor communications for the vice president Herbie Ziskin. It's been great. Thank you. I really Thank appreciate you, Zelina. Really you appreciate this it. morning. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Zerlina. Check in for new episodes every weekday. 